Hey everyone, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely sports-loving wife, Liberty. Some days. And we're a married couple who likes to bring each other into our hobbies through the latest news in both books and sports. And today is a sports episode from a very, very chilly North Texas today. We got snow. First time getting this much snow, at least, in Texas since we've been here. And we are recording later thanks to my work life throwing curveballs at me, so... What's funny is, to me, this is almost like very little snow, but to everyone who lives here in Texas, they're like, this is the most snow we've gotten in several years. It's snowmageddon, is the way everybody's acting like it is. And so no one went to your work except for like you and your boss. Um, that's not true. We had about like 12 people, but yeah, we normally operate on a store like double that. So that was fun. But that means we have a more snowy, cozy ambiance for our recording tonight. Yeah, you guys can totally hear the snow outside, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I'll stick the mic out the window. It'll be great. It'll sound awful because it's very windy. (laughs) So in the past week, the Chiefs have lost to the Buccaneers. Oh boy, did they. And they lost 31 to 9. Yeah, it was it was an ugly game. And I will tell you, as the person that did not bet against Tom Brady, I'm glad I didn't. Well, I mean, if I knew the refs were going to be in his pocket, I wouldn't have gone against him either. Even if the refs weren't in his pocket, they manhandled the Chiefs. So I don't know. I, I agree. I think the referees were probably should be fined for their performance in the game. But at the same time, man... That was ugly for the Chiefs. I put that it was the most boring Super Bowl I've ever watched. Though, to be fair, I've only watched like five or six in my entire life. The world agrees with you. It was the seventh least viewed Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls. Well, they pulled in 96.4 million viewers, which felt like a lot to me because I guess I'm going off of like hockey numbers for views, but that felt like a whole lot. But football is America's sport, shy of baseball. Those are usually the two that get the most viewership in the United States. So, yeah. Uh, Well, the Super Bowl that got the most amount of views so far, as far as I know from what I read, was in 2015 with the New England-Seattle game. And that drew 114.4 million. So I knew it was less than that, but I thought it was like a closer race with all the other games. Far from, far from, sadly, since basically it's based off of since tabulation of the Super Bowl's existence, which wasn't immediately. They didn't immediately go like, here's the first Super Bowl. We're going to count how many people watched. Like it wasn't a thing then. That more came into effect, I think, with the commercial era of like, here's all the crazy commercials that they spend billions of dollars on. We didn't get a Budweiser commercial this year, right? A lot of the big players stayed out. So you didn't see one, I believe, from Pepsi, Coke, or Budweiser this year. Is it just trying to save money or is it because they didn't think it was worth it this year? I think more of that than anything necessarily. Then we had the halftime show from The weekend, and like I'm not really a fan of The weekend. I do enjoy a song here and there and they ended up playing mostly songs I like. But some of the like theatrics were weird in my opinion. I love the trolls and memes that have come from the weekend's performance. <laughs> yeah. They have been the most entertaining personally, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't get to watch the weekend because I was out going to grab dinner in the cold because I am a great husband. Or just a hungry one. Yes. One of the two. <laughs> At least that. And it turns out that because the Super Bowl is now over, we're already talking about next year's Super Bowl. 
And it will be taking place in LA at the Sophie Stadium. Is that what it's called? SoFi? Sophie? SoFi. It's like Southern Financial or I don't know, something financial. That's what it stands for. A girl named Sophie has a stadium, and that's where it will be happening. It's the home for both the Rams and the Chargers, located in Inglewood, technically. Yeah. But it'll be the first time since, what, 93 that it's been in L.A.? News to me, I didn't really follow much of the world of sports at the age of four, so... (laughs) I also did not follow sports at four. Or 14. (laughs) But Tom Brady took home his fifth Super Bowl MVP from that game based on his performance, which I'm not shocked. He led the Bucks to being the first team to ever win a game in their own stadium. The Super Bowl, that is. I should say not the game. A, a game. <laughs> it's the game. The Super Bowl. <laughs> I feel but, like you need to take a nap and start all over again. All right. Truly, there, there might need to be a chance for that soon, hopefully. The thing that came out of the Super Bowl that I thought was the absolute stupidest, most stupid, was Tom Brady apparently was on his boat during the boat parade and he had only ever like driven it, I guess is what you would call it, used it that morning. That was the first time he's ever started it up and done anything with his own boat. Yeah. And then he got so effing drunk that he's throwing trophies around like it's nothing. He threw the Lombardi trophy like a good 15 feet from boat to boat over Tampa Bay, which very well... To him, maybe that is nothing. Maybe it's not a big deal. He's handled it so many times. It's his seventh one, so is it really that shocking to him that like it'd be that important? Okay, but no one would disrespect the Stanley Cup like that. Mostly because you can't throw it that far. But also, no one would do that with the Stanley Cup. I was going to say, I think the overall weight is about like five times to ten times heavier, if not more than that. So The Stanley Cup is like 35 pounds. Yeah. I don't know how big the other one is. Clearly not that heavy because he threw it like it was a toy, pretty much. And then he had to be helped off his boat and home or something like that because he yeah, was so drunk. Yeah, he was leaning on someone. I don't know who it was. Probably his agent or like a friend. Um, one or the Teammates. other. Yeah, it wasn't a teammate, but... Yeah, it was interesting. It's like, well, you're an old guy. You know, I get it. Partying is not as easy anymore. What, do you think he down. had like one beer and it was too much because he's 43 I now? I doubt that, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, he didn't realize he was as drunk as he was and then very quickly learned that he was, I guess. I don't know. And then there was also something kind of good to come out of the game. Uh, the NFL did end up finding Tampa Bay's safety Antoine Winfield $7,815 for taunting Tyreek Hill in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. After he broke up a pass to Tyreek Hill, he did the peace sign to Tyreek Hill, which is what Tyreek did to him in the previous meeting this season when he burned him on a route. So I, I kind of get it. It was taunting. No argument there. But if you're going to not find the guy for doing it in a regular season game, what difference does it make if it happens at the very end of the fourth quarter? Well, I mean, I would disagree with you. I feel like there are a lot more stakes in not a Stanley Cup game, whatever your championship was called, the Super Bowl. And I, you and I were sitting on the couch going, oh, is that not taunting as the ref is like looking in the other direction, acting like nothing happened? Oh, the referees threw flags for that one. But yeah, there were some times where there were definitely taunting in both directions and and they just ignored it. And I was just like, whoa, okay, we're letting that happen today. But then we're going to call everything else. Yep. He, he sneezed. That's offsides. Yeah. You know, so. But my 
absolute favorite story. I don't know if you've heard of this, but following the win, Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker Devin White ended up making sure it was okay and then ended up riding around the stadium on his horse named Dream with the trophy. Yeah. I am just wondering you if go, you have cowboy. like an artist there like painting him riding on his horse through the stadium. No, but they obviously had photographers because there were plenty of photos of that on the internet. Yes, there were. But I think that's about all I have for the actual Super Bowl. It was boring. I didn't enjoy it. The music was fine. The <laughs> commercials were just okay. And uh, people did stupid crap afterward. Yeah, that sounds right, pretty much. Tom Brady apparently has been playing injured for most of the season, which... Of course, after the season's over, that comes out. He actually had a surgery at the end of the previous year's season, not last season. And the concern, I think, based on what I was reading, was with his knee related to the surgery. So, basically, he had some cartilage that needs to get cleaned up. And it's like a very basic surgery, and it's not a big deal. But when you're 43... It becomes more of a major deal than if you did it when you're 23. Obviously. Your body doesn't recover from surgery quite as quick. Right. And basically, they're all just saying it's like getting cleaned up. Like, his knee's getting cleaned up and everything's fine. It's normal. So Literally almost every single article I found was referencing cleaned up. So, yeah. I'm not shocked. So, basically, your cartilage is supposed to be, like, basically smooth. So, your joints can work with it. Yeah. And what's happening is you're getting minor tears along the cartilage and that's messing with how your joint is moving and like the comfort level you have when you move that joint so they just go in and clean up all the torn cartilage got it i don't have a lot of information on this guy but it turns out that marty schottenheimer oh yes the apparently seventh winningest coach in nfl history died on monday february 8th at 77 years old from complications associated with alzheimer's Alzheimer's? So, he is basically the coach of my childhood watching the Chargers. Like, I would say he's the coach I remember the most that I actually liked because we've had a couple bad coaches in San Diego over the years. But Schottenheimer was notorious for what he called his Marty Ball, which was a heavy run offense that allowed for deep passes that way. And then, like, just grimy, grind it down in the trenches style defense, which I love both of. Okay. Um, he led the Chargers to a pretty dominant run for a number of years in an AFC West where, we'll be honest, they didn't really belong. You know, they did not belong in a lot of the situations. The good old days of Drew Brees before he was a saint and he was a saint for the Chargers, you know, when it came to quality quarterbacking. And then you have LaDamian Tomlinson and the list just goes on and on, including like Junior Seau. And it was the glory years of the Chargers is the way I like to look at it. It's sad to hear that he went. Obviously, I knew he was battling Alzheimer's. It's just kind of something that's been in the news in the San Diego area for a long time. But basically, his family was pretty well prepared for it. It sounded like he was going to go this year no matter what. It was just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, so it's good that his family got to see it coming, I guess, is the best thing. Because I know that there are a lot of people out there who lose family members without knowing. Without any warning. Yeah. yeah. So still, obviously, prayers go out to the family. Marty, phenomenal coach. And I honestly, I feel like a lot of coaches in today's game take their strategies of playing the game from his style of football. 
So he's definitely one of the elite. He ended up finishing his career with 200 wins exactly, 126 losses, and one tie. It's so weird to me that you can get a tie in football. It's pretty hard to do, and it wasn't really available till more recently in like the history of the game. So hence why he has one. Yeah. <laughs> But in better news, I suppose, J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans mutually agreed to part ways after 10 seasons. And I say good news because apparently this will save the Texans $17.5 million by releasing him. And he is also available immediately to get signed with another team. So it seems to work out with everyone as long as he gets signed somewhere. Oh, he will. And that's the thing. The realistic capability of him being signed i would imagine it's going to be wrapped up as soon as it's possible he has mentioned in the past that he wants to play in the city where his wife plays professionally and she's a part of the national women's soccer league in chicago for the red stars and also he is from wisconsin as far as i believe like as far as i can remember um he played his college football there for sure at least and so a lot of people are kind of connecting him to a northern midwest team whether it be the vikings the green bay packers or the bears and Duh, bears I, i'd love to have him on the bears because then we'd have khalil mack on one side and jj watt on the other and i'd be sorry for anybody in the backfield at that point because those two guys would just manhandle their business so but staying on the subject of the houston texans the houston texans president jamie rutes or roots i think is probably more correct <laughs> Sleepy Me is going to be fun on the podcast. Resigned last Wednesday, stating personal reasons. Uh, I didn't see that anywhere. uh, He also stated that the team was in a great place business-wise, which if you know anything about the Texans right now, they might be as a business in good place, but as a team, they're not. So that was an interesting way to go out as the president of business operations for the team. But You also had... The Houston Texans trying to figure out their next move with Deshaun Watson since they had released J.J. Watts, J.J. Watt. But owner Cal McNair said on Friday, February 12th, that Houston has absolutely no plans to part with Watson, said that the rumors and chatter are just misinformation, and he said, really, the situations have nothing to do with each other except for the fact that they are on the same Houston Texans team. Or were on the same Houston Texans team. Right. I wonder at the willingness to release Watt versus Watson. I've kind of been confused by that as well. Because it's just like, if you're really trying to build a good team, you still need a good defense. But at the same time, I don't know that they necessarily wanted to try to afford the new contract that they'd have to sign with J.J. Watt. And maybe that is the reason why. Well, they do clear a lot of cap space with that. It's just what makes him Watson such a valuable player over Watt. And all I can think is like their positions are different or maybe they're different caliber players. I don't watch sports enough to know. They're both pretty much one of the top in their roles. J.J. Watt has obviously been around the league a little longer than Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson also has led or been in the top three for passing yards in like the last four years. So it's just like... Well, you can't win football games without Passing the ball, yeah. So it's like, why risk it? Sometimes you don't want to risk it to get the biscuit. That's a saying, apparently. In my sleepy brain, yes it is. But you also had this week longtime NFL centers Marquise and Mike Pouncey. Mm -hmm. 
announcing their retirement. Technically, their sibling announced their retirement for them. But Marquise spent his entire 11-year career with the Pittsburgh Steelers after being drafted number 18th overall in the 2010 draft. And brother Mike entered the NFL a year after his twin brother was selected 15th overall in the 2011 draft by the Miami Dolphins. And obviously he played for other teams than the Dolphins. Yeah, as one would do if you play for the Dolphins. You hope, right? Yeah. But in weirder news or worse news, Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith was unharmed after he and his family were robbed at gunpoint in California on Tuesday, February 9th. It's unclear at the moment if he was specifically targeted by the assailant or if it was one of those wrong place, wrong time scenarios. Yeah, I couldn't really find any information further than what you basically just said. Right, yeah. Well, and they're probably keeping quiet about it because it involved his family. It also could be an ongoing investigation, and that usually is another reason you don't get much information. Yeah. I mean, the people with the Ravens came out and said that he's fine, everything's okay, all they can really say at this point. Yeah. On brighter news, Matthew Stafford and his wife pledged a $1 million donation to help build a new education center in Detroit as a goodbye gift to the city of Detroit with his trade to the Los Angeles Rams. Which is nice. Yeah. The facility will be a total of 20,000 square feet of classrooms and tech centers for kids. That's good. Yeah. I think it's a pretty cool thing to donate. It's in an area of the city that is definitely a little bit less apt to have the access to those things. There's a park that's attached to it, so it's kind of going to allow kids to like play and learn at the same time, which is pretty neat. Yeah. And the only other thing I have for football is that the New Orleans Saints released Nick Easton on Friday, February 12th. And that this is basically just a cost-cutting measure because they're having trouble with money. They're hitting the ceiling with how much they're paying players. Got it. It will end up saving them $5.875 million in cap space and clear $6.5 million in cash off the books. That's, that's usually a good thing. Yeah. That's a lot of monies. That is a lot of money. Yeah. But they still have a cap problem. I would imagine so. They're going to have to find other ways to save. Yeah. But I guess we can go into a different type of salary discussion when we go into the MLB. Mm. Because the Dodgers avoided salary arbitration with right-hander Walker Bueller on Wednesday by agreeing to a two-year $8 million deal. He had originally filed for $4.15 million a year in his first year of arbitration, while the Dodgers countered with $3.3 million. Apparently, he'll be paid $2.75 million in 2021 and $3.25 million in 2022, with a signing bonus of $2 million. But the deal also includes escalators, which means that his base salary could increase if he hits certain thresholds. Cool. Good for him. But I just want to point out from reading this article, there was one point in season one when I had mentioned escalators to you and you acted like you didn't know what they were. So I was like, oh, maybe that's not a thing. But they are a thing. I totally knew this was a thing. I always have seen it as just goal incentivized monies. So like if you do this, we give you more monies because they do that in the NHL as well. 
you know, based off of points or plus minus and that kind of but stuff. It, it's not just a sum that you get. It raises your base salary, which makes it easier if you go into further talks about your money later on. And yeah. like, it's just better for you overall if your base pay is higher and it's not just a lump sum given later. And that wasn't the only signing either by the Dodgers. Uh, they also signed Justin Turner to a two-year $34 million contract. But there's also a club option on that deal for a third season. Yeah. And you know who Justin Turner is, right? I have no idea. Oh, you you know who he is. You just don't know you know who he is. Do you remember the guy in the final game that tested positive for COVID-19 and that then was removed from the face, bench? I want him to make no money. And he came back out onto the field to take pictures without his mask on. And he kissed the trophy? Yes. Yeah, he deserves no money. Yeah. I can't believe he also gets an $8 million signing bonus. <laughs> Until you learn how to wash your hands and not get sick, you don't get $8 million. Sorry. <laughs> Figured you would enjoy that little addition. I, I really don't know who people are until you tell me something stupid one of them has done. And then you're like, I know exactly who that is. Picturing him in my head now. I'm pretty sure I do the same with books for you. Yes. I'm really worried about the book episode. But Since um, we're still on sports, let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays have signed right-handed reliever David Phelps to a one-year, $1.75 million deal, he can earn up to $750,000 more in performance bonuses, which is not an escalator. It's the same thing it's with a different name. Thing. It's not the same. And the Tigers signed outfielder Nomar Mazara to a one-year deal worth $1.75 million. Enjoy that piece of trash. He was awful last season in Chicago. Did you, you had him? Yeah, he was on our roster for a one-year contract with the possibility of gaining monies if he reached performance goals and signing a longer-term contract, and he played horrible. Enjoy him, Detroit. I'm glad he's on your team. I enjoy thoroughly being able to kick your butts this year because he will be playing on your roster. See how ugly that just got? That's how I feel about Patrick Kane, just saying. Yeah. That has nothing to do with baseball. But Cardinals pitcher Jack Flaherty? Mm Mm-hmm won his arbitration case this week. He is now set to earn $3.9 million in the 2021 season. Originally, he had gone in at that point, but the Cardinals had countered him at $3 million, and they're just like, nope, give him what he wants, which you always like as the player. Yeah. Also this week, the Cubs signed Jake Arrieta to a one-year $6 million contract to bring him back from the Philadelphia Phillies, which, you know, I know you support the move. I support getting away from Philadelphia. Albeit he's on the wrong side of Chicago. Yeah, that doesn't bother me so much. Yeah. Also this week, the Angels avoided arbitration by signing Shohei Otani to a two-year, $8.5 million contract. I'm surprised I got that one out right because I had to sit there and practice that, but I'm glad I got it. Who's to say it was right? Um, Everybody that pronounces the name that I watched videos on for like... Almost a half hour to nail it right on the nose. And then also this week, Yadier Molina finally announced where he was going to sign. He's going to sign back with the Cardinals with a one-year deal with an unspecified term of monies so far. So maybe they're still working out the kinks on that one. Maybe. Seth Lugo of the Mets is going to undergo surgery to remove what they're calling a loose body from his right elbow. The Mets will shut him down from throwing for six weeks. 
which will take him away from opening day roster. He had an MRI on Friday that revealed a bone spur that had broken off of his right elbow. And he will undergo surgery on Tuesday. Oh, man. That sounds so painful. Apparently, it was like swelling and turning colors and stuff. It's real gross. Fun stuff. Also, the MLB announced their opening day schedule this past week. All 30 teams will be playing a single game at least on opening day. Sounds Uh, busy. It's the first time that's been done in about five years. So there's a lot going on on the first day. The season will officially start on April 1st with the Blue Jays playing the Yankees at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The MLB also announced an update to its Code of Conduct section pertaining to workplace sexual harassment and discrimination. I mean, you're glad it happens, right? You're glad they're updating it, but you also don't like the fact that there's a need to update it. This update includes a third-party reporting hotline that will be investigated by a third-party team that doesn't directly work for the MLB, just bills them. Good. Uh, As well, it will force all club executives to attend anti-harassment and discrimination trainings annually. Good. So I, I kind of agree. I think these things were necessary. It's sad that it had to become necessary, but it's important that it got done. For the NBA, I didn't really see anything as far as COVID went, except for that one person tested positive in the last round of testing. So like, whoop-de-doo. You're glad that number is so low, I suppose. I also had that the Toronto Raptors announced that they will be playing the remaining of their home games in Tampa Bay this season because the Canadian government is still not allowing U.S. athletes to travel back and forth across their borders. I don't trust us either. That's fine. But as far as injuries go, the Detroit Pistons center Jalil Okafor Mm -hmm. underwent a successful surgical procedure to clean the lateral meniscus in his left knee. He's expected to miss six to eight weeks. The Chicago Bulls expect forward Lori Markkanen. Markkanen. That's one. Mm -hmm. To miss two to four weeks because of a sprained right shoulder Apparently, this happened during the game in Orlando on Friday. Cavaliers Larry Nance Jr. will be out up to six weeks with a broken left hand, but the team did not specify if he will need surgery. Also this week, Detroit Pistons announced that they're going to be trading Derrick Rose to the New York Knickerbockers. (sighs) The Knicks. Yep. The Pistons receive guard Dennis Smith Jr. and a 2021 second round pick. Derrick Rose at one point played for the Knicks and also for the Bulls for a long period of time. But Thibodeau, who is the coach of the Knicks, also was the ex-Bulls head coach. So it's kind of like a reuniting of two friends. I don't know that you pronounced that last name correctly, but pretty sure it's Thibodeau. If you think so. Pretty sure it's French. But also you had the Lakers players LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma receive warnings on Saturday from the league for violating the anti-flopping rule. Basically, this is what we would call embellishing in the NHL. Yeah, it's uh, what I would call going for an Academy Award. They're really trying to sell their falls. You'd hope they'd be better actors if they're trying to go for their Academy Award, but they're absolutely not. They were pretty bad. Like, if you watch the videos, they look real stupid. Yeah. Staying on the subject of the Lakers, they won their sixth straight game by defeating the Oklahoma City Thunder in overtime, 114 to 113. By flopping? 
No, but that would be funny. And then something that I had a lot to say to you about last night mm-hmm. was that the Minnesota Timberwolves guard Malik Beasley mm-hmm. was sentenced on Tuesday to 120 days in jail after pleading guilty to a felony charge of threats of violence for pointing a rifle at a family outside his home this past fall. He is currently set to report on May 26th, which will be after his NBA season, which, you know, nice for the judge to do that for him. Yeah, definitely didn't have to. But as a part of the conditions of the sentencing, he was given three years of probation with no use of alcohol or drugs, which I can't imagine how you do that in a professional league, and completion of an anger management program. He was also issued a lifetime ban on the possession of guns, which I completely agree with. Well, in the state, but yeah. And the thing that I immediately said when I read this and I was talking to you about it was, he's obviously not a white man because we saw this past summer two people outside holding guns, at least one of them pointing them at people. And since they were both white and rich, I don't remember anyone going to jail for that. Well, the question comes down to whether a little bit, whether he was on his property or not. It, was it that was, where it took it place? It said it was on his property. Okay, well then, then yeah, that's definitely a thing that happened that's bad. Like he, His family was going around, I guess, possibly looking at houses or something like that, and they stopped outside his house or something, and he pointed his gun at him. And, like, if you point your gun at someone and you're not in, like, life-threatening danger, I completely think you need to lose the right to own a gun. Yeah. Possibly anger management, and both of which he's having to deal with. It's just... Yeah. It's so frustrating that because... it's handled like, one way for one racial group in a different way for another. Yeah. And, like, this is what I'm talking about when I talk to you about institutionalized racism. Because, like, the institution is sticking it to people of color far worse than white people, even though technically there are the same laws in place. Yeah. I would say welcome to America, but that's kind of the way it's been for a long time. Well, I mean... It's crappy, and I hope they fix it. Like, I really do. That kind of gets to the point of where people are like, after stuff that happened on the 6th, after stuff that happened this past fall and summer... Well, people have been saying, you know, this isn't my America. This isn't America. Like, yes, it is. Have you read a history book? Yeah. Maybe you're confused because the statues were torn down. But, like, no, this is America. This has always been America. But that's a soapbox that I don't need to get on. Yeah, we're not starting a political podcast here, so, you know, maybe another time. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Add more stuff on my plate. Yeah, but the Jazz also pick up their sixth straight win by defeating the Bucks 129 to 115, and then the Phoenix Suns defeat the first place in the East 76ers to win their fifth straight and their eight of their last nine games. They defeated the 76ers 120 to 111. It seemed like all the teams this week out of the West were just winning a lot of games. So all they do is win. It's, it seems like it. It's unbelievable. The Jazz are in first place right now. I can't remember the last time the Jazz were ever a contender other than like the previous couple of years prior. So, you know, back to like the Carl Malone and Stockton days were like really the last time that they were relevant. So I don't know those names, but okay. Yeah. The Carl, uh, a player by the name of Carl Malone, he was known as the mailman because he would hand deliver the ball to the hoop. Yeah. Man, nicknames are stupid when you explain them. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I, I loved Carl Malone. Carl Malone was fantastic. I mean, that's not the only league where if you explain a nickname, it's stupid. But when they get explained, it's just like, oh, man. I'm going to have to download NBA Jams, and then we're going to go play the game with John Stockton and Carl Malone. And, you know, all the old Lakers players with, like, Kobe and Shaq and... I feel like the last time we played a sports-related video game, I kind of beat you up by a lot. Which game was it? One of the NBA games. Oh, yeah. I totally kicked your butt. Yeah, I haven't played an NBA game since NBA Jam, so that's probably why. I think, realistically, we were on even levels of quality of play. Because I've never played an NBA game before that time. Yeah. So you got beat by a girl who had never played before. Just saying. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you what NBA Jam looks like in comparison, and then you'll realize that they're completely two different games. But yeah. yeah. You had two buttons, one to shoot, one to pass, and then a stick. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was I an feel arcade like I game. could handle that pretty well. It's an arcade-style game versus what we played, which is more of a simulation. Yeah. <laughs> On negative news, the NBA announced that they're going to be fining Trey Young $20,000 for swearing at an official after a controversial non-call for a moving screen that affected the outcome of the end of a game. The NBA did come out and state that the referees made the correct call because the player did place both their feet down. Therefore, it was a charge like it was actually called on the court. So he was wrong, but he didn't want to be wrong. And I think that's where it kind of just blew up. Well, I mean, if any player even comes out after the fact and says anything about the refs, it's a problem for the league. It looks bad. I'm not surprised this guy got fined for doing something so publicly and, like, during a game. During a game that was televised nationally, no less. So he uh, really chose a good time to let it loose. But in sillier, lighter news in the NBA, I showed you the video last night of Russell Westbrook just randomly dancing on the sideline in uh, a delay in the game. There was no music playing, but he was just there dancing by himself. So, well, you know. he had warmed up properly, and now he's like, I don't want my muscles to get cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the most but, creative way I've seen that done. But when someone's that tall and dancing like that, they kind of look ridiculous no matter what, even if they have rhythm. He, he had a couple good dance moves, but I'll be honest, most of them were pretty poor. They look like you trying to dance. Pretty much. It's nice to know that I have moves like Russell Westbrook. Dance moves, that's about it. Yeah. But... In the world of MLS, I'm not even going to ask if you have news because I have too much news to even ask you. Because the MLS Players Association and the league announced on Monday, February 8th, that they formally ratified the new CBA and the agreement has been approved by the league's Board of Governors, which completely clears the way for training camps and the start of the season as well as avoids any sort of lockout. The league's biggest gain from this was their ability to extend the length of the CBA, which will delay a jump in compensation that usually comes with the new CBA, and also takes away leverage from the Players Association to negotiate improved terms in the run-up to the 2026 World Cup and the immediate aftermath. So because they extended the CBA, the World Cup is going to have happened and been so long ago by the time they need to negotiate a new CBA that any sort of like leverage the Players Association had prior to or after is just gone. Also, the force mayor clause remains in place with restrictions, 
Basically, this means that they would be allowed to reopen negotiations in late December and call for negotiation after December 1st. For the Players Association, they didn't gain as much from this deal as the league did, but it was more about them keeping from losing things in this negotiation. They were able to prevent cuts to the 2021 salaries, contracts for 2022 and later must be honored, and the minimum salaries and player bonuses must increase each year through 2027, which is the length of the CBA. So they were able to keep all of those things, whereas MLS got to kind of enforce other things. Yeah. But this led to the MLS announcing on Wednesday, February 10th, that the start date for the regular season has been pushed back from April 3rd to April 17th, with the regular season schedule releasing in the coming weeks. So we still don't know what the full regular season looks like yet. But the other dates already established for the regular season aren't expected to change. So MLS's decision day will be on November 7th, followed by the MLS Cup playoff starting on November 19th. And the MLS Cup final is set to be held on December 11th. Players will be required to quarantine and conduct individual trainings upon reporting back to their clubs. But preseason training camps were set to begin on February 22nd. However, this is causing them to do a different date for the beginning. Yeah, because of the quarantine time. March 1st was the announced opening of training camp. The announcement was made in the afternoon on Saturday, February 13th. And during that first week, they'll have quarantine, medical exams, testing for COVID. And the first day of full training for most teams will be on March 8th. This allows for a six-week training camp prior to the regular season start on April 17th. Which they will not be allowing fans in the opening season, so. That's good. Openers, um, which we'll see if that changes, obviously. it's You'll all- be the first one they call. They already have. I know. About a dozen times. Um, We do really need to figure out what we're going to do with that, but that's for us and not the show. But two days after the ratification of a new CBA with the MLS Players Association and MLS, Commissioner Don Garber said that the league expects to lose pretty close to $1 billion in 2021. He added that with the vast majority of fans still unable to attend games due to the ongoing COVID pandemic, the impacts of COVID are still having adverse effects on MLS's business. Garber said, and I quote, We've got to drive revenue. We've got to think about new ways to approach our business. And it's like, your sport, you have like two business models. I don't know how you're going to drive revenue. You either have fans in the stands, butts in the seats, as they say, or Basically, merch. all you have right now is ads and merch. Mm-hmm. That's all you got. Normally, you have three. You normally have butts in seats, ads in the merch, and, or ads and then merch, obviously. So. And then the piece of MLS news that I thought would interest you... It was announced on Friday, February 12th, that U.S. Youth International Justin Chi has joined Bayern Munich on loan from FC Dallas. As Justin Chi, he is an exciting young player. He's a 17-year-old defender and was one of the, I guess you guys had six players on trial at Bayern this month from Dallas. Yep. We brought a bunch of players over as well, too. We loaned out. One of the previous FC Dallas players to come over, which was Richards. But yeah, we've always had a pretty good relationship with them and been bringing over MLS players, but particularly a good relationship with FC Dallas, which was 
part of the exciting thing of living here is that I get to see some of the young prospects that my team is letting play here in the U.S. before they come to Germany to play, so... Yeah. And he'll be on loan until the end of the 2020-2021 season. They said that Chi Che, che. will be part of the under-19 team, but will also have training opportunities with the reserve squad. That's good. It'll be a lot of more fierce competition than he's going to see here in the MLS. So, Well, as you said, apparently the MLS is where players go to die. Or normally. start their careers, one or the other. Yeah. It's either Retirement League or the kitties. Kitties? Or the... I would watch a cat playing soccer. Like kitties, like kids or the youths. The youths. Mm-hmm. How about we move on to the world of international soccer? Sounds instead good. of just staying here in the States or the colonies, as they like to call them. Who calls it that? The English. I've never heard someone call it that, except for you. The English call it the colonies. Okay. But on that subject, the standings more or less pretty much stayed the same in the English world because we had a little bit of like their version of the DFB Pokal this past week. It's Manchester and Manchester on top, City United first, second, Leicester City in third, Liverpool in fourth, Chelsea in fifth. Newcastle United has won two and lost two in the last week. So you stayed where you were. Basically slid a little bit actually because the other teams that were with us. Won games and drew games. We dropped from 15th to 17th this week. We are now one spot out of relegation. Yikes. Um, but seven points up on the nearest spot for relegation. So at least a little bit of space still. I, I would not feel comfortable if I were one of your fans. I'm almost to the point where I'm hoping we get relegated and Ashley Johnson, who is the owner of the organization, is forced to sell the team because I am so done with his lackluster investments is on it, the roster. Can that be forced based on no. like a board coming together and forcing him out? Or No, because the Premier League is the one that does not want him to sell the organization to the person he wants to sell it to. So if anything, he leaving the Premier League maybe gives him that chance to sell the team to who he wants to sell it to. But... I more meant is there a group of like governors or board of directors or something for the team itself that mm. can force him out? No? None whatsoever sadly he is the majority share owner and makes the decisions more or less on his own i feel like that shouldn't be allowed like even with sports it makes you feel any better i think all newcastle fans would agree with you on that one i apologize i will stand corrected it's mike ashley clearly my sleepy brain is getting the best of me who was the owner currently of newcastle united that everybody hates yeah if it makes you feel better i don't know the owner of any of my sports teams except for i know a couple for the nhl Yeah. Because they used to play for us, so, like, be weird if I didn't. It would be a little strange. Yeah. The woes for your team continue, though, however, in the German leagues. You enjoy it too much. I'm really not starting to enjoy it that much because it makes you very grumpy about the other (laughs) things we talk about afterwards. Um, But Bayern Munich's last five games are all still green wins. Uh, We're winning all the games. All we do is win. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig uh, is currently sitting in second place with 44 points. You have Frankfurt in 30... God. 30th place. Yes. You have Frankfurt in third place with 39 points. Wolfsburg in fourth place with 39 points. And Leverskin in fifth place with 36 points. And Dortmund sitting, as we stated, in sixth place with 33 points. So you're not far out, but you're just starting to slide further and a little further and a little well, further. Well, we're definitely not in 30th place yet. 
No, you're not. There is no 30th place, but yeah. the team in last place currently is FC Schalke, who currently has one win on the season. They have three points? They have nine points because they have six draws. Oh, weird. Yeah. We normally don't talk about the people in last place. That might be why I think that's weird. Yeah. Um, but this week in the Bundesliga, uh, I know at least Bayern Munich has an easy game. We play Flyfield Armenia, who is one of the worst teams in the league right now. They're on the relegation cusp. So it should be a hopefully easy game, but they've been scaring me lately a little bit with some of the way Bayern Munich's been playing and it's been nerve wracking. You poor baby. Um, but we also finished off the week by winning the sixth major trophy in one year by winning the Club World Cup against the Tigres of some South American country. I think Mexico. Mexico? Yes. We had a couple players out due to some not so great reasons. Jerome Boateng left the team early on in practice before the Club World Cup final due to his ex-girlfriend who they broke up all about two or three weeks ago took her own life oh i did not hear about any of this yeah um he left for personal reasons and leave it to german sports writers to get to the bottom of that one i don't like that give people their privacy yeah they didn't really dig beyond that i think once they figure out the reason they're like whoa we should not talk about this much well they shouldn't have talked about it at all I agree. He's already going through a hard enough time, you know. She was his girlfriend for over four years is what I was reading. So, like, they were together a long time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a tough one there. And then we had Thomas Muller out because he tested positive for COVID-19. They shipped him back on his own plane, so he wasn't traveling with the team. Um, How nice would that be? Yeah. I could imagine probably pretty nice. But, you know, you also have COVID, so maybe not so nice. Depends on how bad he has it, I guess. But, yeah, those two were kind of uh, rough goes. Yeah. Not the best of reasons to be going back home early from a tournament. But we're back at it this week with that game against the 16th seed. So it should be a pretty easy game, hopefully. Even without your one player? Yeah, realistically. Well, I don't think he'll be coming back in time for that game. I don't think so either. But that's all the Bundesliga and international soccer news I have. And we're going to be able to move on to your favorite sport. Finally, thank God. The world of the National Hockey League. I hate when we start with football. It takes forever to get to Well, hockey. the good news is it's off-season now, so we probably won't be talking about it very much anymore. Well, except now it's high time to start trading people, firing people, hiring people. But for the NHL, let's start with COVID updates. Steven Stamkos was placed on the NHL COVID list on Friday, February 12th. This is one day after he didn't play for the Tampa Bay Lightning because of a lower body injury. He thinks it's a false positive, but he's got to go into protocols whether it is or not. Fun for him. Also, the Golden Knights canceled a, the post-game interviews and practices the following day uh, last after last Wednesday's game. Two of their players were thrown into COVID protocols in the middle of the game due to the fact that they had close contact with a staffer who tested positive for COVID-19. Quit making out with people. I don't think they were making out with people. I think they might have just been very close in the same room, maybe watching tape or something along those lines. Yeah, but. yeah. But yeah, that's the thing that happened. The game between the Flyers and the Rangers that was scheduled for Madison Square Garden in New York on Sunday, February 14th was postponed due to COVID protocols. The Flyers also had their games at the Capitals on Tuesday and home against the Devils on Thursday postponed. 
The games have not yet been rescheduled, and the Flyers cannot practice until at least Monday. They are currently scheduled to play at home on February 18th against the Rangers. Who knows if that'll happen? It's still a few days out. Speaking of New York Rangers, Mr. Cuomo, or Governor Cuomo, I should say, of the state of New York, has announced that he's going to allow large venues to have 10% capacity of their stadiums. So uh, Madison Square Garden might have fans for the Flyers game. Maybe. We'll see what happens. He said that in response to the way the Buffalo Bills handled their game with fans present, that if teams follow those same level of procedures, then there shouldn't be any concern for only 10% of fans to attend a game. Because that's how many of the Bills were allowed to have. So, And the NHL Players Association and the NHL announced on Thursday, February 11th, that additional safety measures to their protocols to reduce COVID cases are going to be coming. I would say I'm shocked, but I'm not. They seem to be struggling more than most of the other leagues were with COVID so well, far. I think they all should have been in bubbles, but that's just me. All measures have been endorsed by the NHL and the NHL Players Association's medical advisors. These enhanced measures will be in effect until at least February 28th. In addition to daily lab-based PCR testing, the league is in the process of providing each U.S.-based club with point-of-care rapid testing to be administered on game days to all players and club personnel, as well as on-ice officials. Probably good. If a testee tests positive, the individuals will immediately be isolated as per the positive test protocol and contact tracing will promptly ensue. The league is currently working directly with the seven Canadian-based clubs on the availability of similar or supplemental testing resources. But like we said, those aren't always correct. But they need something, I guess. They've gotten more accurate since they first came out. When they first came out, it was... I mean, I would hope so. It was about 60% of the time it was either going to give you a false positive or a false negative, and neither of those are good. Secondly... Effective immediately, all players, coaches, training staff, equipment staff, and other members of each club's traveling party will be required to remain at home and not leave their residence except to attend practices and games, to exercise outdoor on an individual basis, to perform essential activities such as going to see a doctor, or to deal with family or other emergencies and other extraordinary circumstances. This is also recommended for any members of their household. So if you quarantine, uh, well, so if you have a family member that works for an organization near the players, you best be not having friends or life outside of home because that's what you're gonna have from here on out. I've been doing it almost a year. You'll survive. Thirdly, the NHL Players Association and the NHL will ensure that their personnel continue taking an active role in player education of preventative measures with emphasis placed on players wearing masks at all times when not actively exercising. I'm shocked that that wasn't already a thing. Right. I guess they're going to keep reinforcing it because people get too used to COVID maybe and stop being cautious. We still have people that walk into the store. We have like four or five people today, but like I get it. Maybe the snow threw you off, but it's still like, come on. It hasn't changed. Yeah. Fourthly, it is being strongly recommended that teams source and provide all group one and two individuals with KN95 masks. 
And then it goes into a further breakdown of, okay, so when that happens, this group has to do it. And then after that group gets theirs, then these people do it. And there's like a ton more rules. Literally, it took me like an hour to read all of that article. So I'm not going to go into everything. Those were the top four, in my opinion, from what I read. The most important things. They all sound pretty important. Yeah. But speaking on something a little more positive, Barry Trotz passes Ken Hitchcock on the all-time coaching wins list this past week. He picked up his 850th win, which moves him into third overall in total wins. I know you don't like Barry Trotz. He went from the Capitals to the Islanders, and he's still there winning games against your Penguins. I don't know why you gotta be rude like that, but all right. Calling it like I see it. Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenyuk were traded to the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday, February 13th by the Ottawa Senators for Ryan Zingle. I'm glad you didn't pronounce it Dezingle because that's the way it's spelled. That would be real stupid. (laughs) And I say a lot of stupid stuff, but that's real stupid. Yeah. It's kind of sad for Alex Galchenyuk. I feel like he's just that piece that gets moved around now. Yeah. Yeah. We had him for a while. Yeah, he was traded from the Wild to you, and then you traded him to the Senators, and then the Senators traded him to... Carolina. Carolina, so it's just like, man, that poor guy is just getting moved around. It looked like it was predominantly a cap space reason for the Hurricanes, though, so there's two players' contracts that they brought in ended up being about half of what they were playing Ryan Zingle, so... Yeah. Two players for half the price of one. Kind of makes sense. They had a buy one, get one going on in Ottawa. Yeah. But speaking of my penguins, Brian Burke was named president of hockey operations and Ron Hextel, Hexel? Hextel. Was named GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday, February 9th. These hires come less than two weeks after Jim Rutherford, our previous GM, resigned for personal reasons. Yeah, he was previously the GM for the Flyers from 2014 to 2018 and an advisor to the Los Angeles Kings Operations Department since September of 2019. And Burke has 31 years of experience as an NHL executive. He worked all over the place. Yeah. I'm a little offended that someone who used to work for the Flyers is working for us, but as long as they're not traitors and they actually work for us and not for the Flyers, I think it'll be okay. So here's the thing. He is the GM that has pretty much made almost all the moves that has put the Flyers where they're at now. And the Flyers are a dominant team. I think for the fans that are Penguins fans are like, how dare we bring over a Flyers guy? I'm like, listen, he's going to, he built a team that is going to be dynasty worthy currently. So like, uh, okay. I know you won't admit it. It will be like me admitting that the blues are going to be a dynasty. The blues aren't going to be a dynasty though. And you and I both know that. It's a fact. The NHL Outdoors at Lake Tahoe is coming up on Saturday, February 20th with an opening game featuring the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, followed by the Boston Bruins and Philadelphia Flyers playing on Sunday, February 21st. I was going to say, man, those two names of teams just made you sick to your stomach that you struggled with that one. I did. <laughs> There is currently buzz about this event, but there's also the possibility of future outdoor events like this in beautiful landmark locations instead of just being on a baseball diamond or whatever. So that's fun. They also currently on the NHL website have a couple videos up about them trying to lay everything out for the game because obviously they have to start setting up stuff now because there's nothing there. Well, there is. It's 
a golf course, but yeah. yeah. Nothing for hockey there. Yes. Also this week, Coyotes have come out and announced that they're going to terminate the contract of their assistant GM, Steve Sullivan, mid-season. The team plans on filling the role after the end of this season. So they'll have someone in the interim? They're not going to have anybody in the interim. They're just going to let the GM do his job. Okay. So he'll be the GM and the interim in the meantime. Or he'll just do the GM job and won't have somebody to delegate to, I think is more along the lines of what it sounds like. Or somebody else to get the opinion of. But also this week, Miku Koivu uh, retired during his 16th season. He played his previous 15 years with the Minnesota Wild. This is just another one of the many things going on with Columbus over the last couple weeks that have been a disaster Right. Well, the Wild had let him go, so the 37-year-old forward signed a one-year, $1.5 million contract with Columbus on October 10th, but Koivu said that he wasn't able to play at the level he wanted to play at, so that's why he wanted to retire, and he had discussed this with everyone at Columbus before actually retiring, so it's not like he was trying to leave them high and dry when they're having so many problems right now. He was just being humble. He realized that he wasn't really doing anything necessarily for the roster and was like, hey, maybe it's just not my time anymore. It's 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 me, it's not you. It was his play that really got him into retirement. Yeah. And for hockey, 37 is starting to get up there where you start at least thinking about retirement. Right. For most players anyways. But if you have ever wanted to work out with a hockey player, then Saturday, February 13th was your chance. I missed it. Because Connor McDavid hosted a virtual workout at 4 p.m. Eastern. He's joining a handful of athletes, including Winnipeg Jets forward Mark Scheifele. Scheifele? That's the one. Whose session is on March 15th at 5 p.m. Eastern as part of Team Rogers Training Camp, which aims to help fans stay active at home. The first session was held on Wednesday, February 10th, and was hosted by Toronto's Blue Jays shortstop, Beau Bichette. Beau Bichette, yeah. Registration is currently open at trtrainingcamp.ca. You still have a chance to work out with a hockey player amongst other athletes. It's pretty cool. I think that's neat that Rogers is being creative and kind of using their power for good. Yeah, well, everyone should be working out. Whether you're at home or not. And local news for us. The Dallas Stars will host the 2021 IIHF Under-18 World Championship. The 10-team tournament, which has been held annually since 1999, is scheduled for April 26th to May 6th. The event has been scheduled to be held in Ann Arbor and Plymouth, Michigan, but had to be moved because they were looking forward to an opportunity to work with the NHL team here for tournament support and logistics. Makes sense. That's exciting. That'd be fun to go maybe pick up and watch a game of. If they allow it. And we're in Texas, so they probably will. Yeah. This will be the third time the tournament has been held in the U.S. Previous years were 2009 and 2016. Interesting. I actually think it's really interesting. I do too. And I don't know this person because I started watching hockey later in my childhood, if you want to call late teenage years a childhood. 
So, Ralph Backstrom died Sunday at home in Colorado following a lengthy illness at 83 years old. The name rings a bell, but I don't think it's the same Backstrom that I'm thinking of. The 1959 Calder Trophy winner and six-time Stanley Cup winner with the Montreal Canadiens played 1,032 NHL games for the Canadiens. Definitely not the Backstrom I'm thinking of. Actually, it's for the Canadians, the Kings, and the Blackhawks from 1956 through 1973. Had a pretty good career. Yeah. And he retired to coach at the University of Denver. Maybe that's where I recognize the name because the University of Denver has always been one of the bigger collegiate hockey schools in Division I hockey. So it's where Ian Mitchell came from, the new defenseman uh, on the Blackhawks. Okay. So it's always a good hockey program, so... And in other bad news, because this is also bad news, Arizona Coyotes forward Johansson Larson has been suspended for two games without pay for an illegal check to the head of Blues forward Zach Sanford. This happened during the game on Friday, February 12th. And under the terms of the CBA and based on his average annual salary, Larson will forfeit $24,137.94. It's a pretty big fine. Especially that last part, 94 cents. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, that's the deal breaker. The money goes to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund, as always. I'm glad that they started doing that. I feel like for a long time the NHL was just like, thank you, thank you, and just right. kept pocketing the money. So it's good that, you know, it's going to something that actually helps the players when they're injured. On top of it, even if you're one of the guys who accidentally or purposefully does something like this, yeah. you could use that money in the future right. because it is for players. Right. Speaking of injuries, Andrew Shaw of the Chicago Blackhawks has re-entered concussion protocol. He was out... About 90% of the season last year due to concussion protocol. This is kind of reminds me of a Crawford situation where it's just yeah. like he's not avoiding it. So Well, it's like when you sprain an ankle or something. Once you get a concussion, it's really easy for you to get one again. Yeah, so he was put on the short-term IR list, which frees up small amounts of cap space. But it's a temporary, so it's not like it's really saving the team that much money. I don't feel like they did it because of that. They did it because he got a boo-boo. Well, yeah, he's he's week-to-week, so... And Matt Murray didn't play when the Ottawa Senators visited the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday, February 13th due to an upper body injury. He had apparently collided with Sens defenseman Nikita Zaitsev late in the second period on Thursday, February 11th. That's not a small dude. Zaitsev is a pretty large guy. Right. And the injury isn't considered long-term, and he'll be reevaluated prior to Ottawa's game against the Maple Leafs on Monday, February 15th. Also this week, Wayne Simmons is out six weeks with a broken wrist after being slashed in the wrist by an opposing player. He currently plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I actually have different information here, so I don't know which one of us is correct because I have it that he left during the game against the Canucks on Saturday, February 6th after blocking a shot. You probably have that right, actually. I might have mixed that up with a different injury. So the blocked shot, or it was a clearing attempt, actually, I think if I remember the article exactly correct. So yeah, it looks like it is from a blocked shot. And then the last injury that I have for the NHL is Ryan Johansson, who is currently week-to-week with the Nashville Predators due to an upper body injury. But they're pretty mum on anything else about it. Yeah, I didn't have any information on that one, so... 
I think that's everything we have this week for the world of sports. Feels like not a lot of news, but we talked a long time. Yeah, there's... There's so much to talk about when you're making fun of Tom Brady. I almost called him Wayne Brady. All I'm saying is... Is if the Toronto Raptors win somehow the NBA Finals this year and they do it in Tampa Bay, I'm going to start to believe that Tampa Bay is a thing. But, okay, whoever plays in Tampa Bay for baseball didn't win this year. It was... Um, Only because their coach the is Dodgers. an idiot and he destroyed his own chances. I'm just saying, you can't call it Tampa Bay if someone won outside of Tampa Bay. Anyway... <laughs> Um, Make sure you guys are staying connected with us for all this petty stuff on our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. All week we'll be tagging Champa Bay. I'm just kidding. Um, We will catch you later on this week for a book episode where we'll be discussing book news and things and what you read and then me finishing Hunger Games. That sounds like a plan. We'll Uh, see you guys then. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.